0: Welcome to the IVF journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr Chapman's rooms on one 311 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au
1: Hi, this is Professor Chapman. Recently we've been doing some Facebook Live sessions where I've been answering questions from the listeners and participants. What you're about to hear now is some audio of those segments and I hope they'll be useful for you. The uh, long-term side effects, zero. Again, as I've said many times, IVF patients <laughs> have been followed up through now nearly 40 or over 40 years looking for potential long-term side effects. The ones we particularly work and we used to be concerned about related to the fact that we overstimulate the ovaries and may that have a long-term effect on the health of ovaries. It does not. Huge studies, out of, particularly out of Scandinavia, where they link all their data together, have shown no increase in ovarian cancer, which was our biggest concern. It doesn't reduce uh, your time to menopause. Although we are using up, or we are harvesting 12 eggs a month, say, instead of one, then we're not actually depleting the uh, overall store of eggs because every month a woman loses around 100 to 200 of her eggs anyway. That's the way nature works. Women start with life at birth with half a million eggs and they end up at 50 with none at menopause. Now, that all that is saying is that each month women are losing hundreds of eggs And what we do with IVF is actually saving some of the eggs that otherwise would have been lost. So it doesn't bring the menopause earlier. In terms of the acute impact of an IVF cycle, you start using injections in your tummy. We hope that you'll produce lots of eggs, and that swelling of the ovaries is unusual for them. And so most women feel a degree of discomfort if they are stimulating well in their lower tummy. Not pain, more like bloating is a feeling that most patients notice. They also have. You also will potentially have an a slight increase in weight, which goes away once you've uh, either had a period or carries on if you're pregnant. But that's fluid retention that goes along with the hormone changes that go with the cycle. The egg collection has risks, like any procedure. We're sticking a needle through your vaginal wall, sticking it into the ovary under ultrasound vision. There are complications that can occur where a needle goes through a blood vessel that is not visible and you can have some internal bleeding. About one in a thousand patients end up in hospital with that bleeding, but it's very, a very low chance. We're also going through the vagina, which has a bacteria within it. And we, we might, when we were worried that we would introduce those bacteria into the ovary and cause infection. Again, risk one in a thousand more likely in women have got endometriosis or endometriomas, those cysts in the ovaries. Then after egg collection, the one big concern we used to have, and we still have the concern about it, but the incidence has dropped substantially, is something called ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. This occurs when there have been lots of eggs collected and uh, the hormone estrogen levels have been very high and what happens is that the blood vessels generally in the body become leaky. They leak fluid into your tummy. The fluid collects in your tummy and in, sometimes even in your lungs to make breathing more difficult, but also in the tummy causing bright, uh, substantial swelling of your tummy. It can shut down the kidneys. And I've seen a woman with kidney failure after ovarian hyperstimulation. It was short-lived, but it did occur. Stopping passing urine is another sign that the situation is bad. And, and lastly, but and very rarely, strokes can occur with hyperstimulation syndrome. Around the world in the 90s and early 2000s, there was reported probably two or three women dying with hyperstimulation syndrome after IVF. Today, it's almost zero. The, and that's because we understand more about why it happens and we use different treatments to avoid getting hyperstimulation syndrome. I'm not going to spend a lot of time discussing that change, but the change is there. And in clinics that are using modern approaches to IVF, it is incredibly rare to get ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. There are still some clinics and doctors who use old-fashioned regimes, and those, those patients are at higher risk. It's exposure to the compound HCG in that situation that causes the problem. And giving HCG injections, these days called Ovidril, in the second half of the cycle when you've already had high levels of estrogen is very dangerous and should not be done. And then side effects. Obviously, the mental pain that you go through should, after all of this, you not get a pregnancy is obviously a significant thing to deal with but again in the right clinics with the right support around you we can get you through that and pick you up and move forward potentially to another cycle and ultimately a pregnancy and don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey podcast from the navigation menu